Today's gospel is a difficult one. It's confrontational, and it doesn't leave much, if any, wiggle room. Jesus sounds cranky and maybe a bit tired, and why wouldn't he be? Time is running out. His face is set like stone for Jerusalem, for sacrifice, for the cross. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The challenge to us is inescapable. If we want a way of life that's smooth and easy, Jesus' way is not the one for us. If we want a God who will respect our priorities, who will honor our social, cultural, and economic boundaries, Jesus is not that God. If we want a spirituality that's comfortable rather than costly and stable rather than transformational, we should walk away now. We're either looking toward the kingdom or we're not. We're either responding to the call of life or we're not. We're either open to the coming future or we're not. Jesus is calling into question, us into question, and that's never easy or comfortable. He is calling into question the very direction of our lives, the values we hold most dear, and how we are living and embodying those values. He's asking us to look at ourselves rather than focusing on others, those Samaritans upon whom we'd like to call down fire from heaven. By Samaritans, I mean those who look, act, and behave differently from us, those who do not hold our particular religious or political beliefs, those who do not speak our language, those to whom we are opposed and in conflict for whatever reason. And if you're not sure who your Samaritans are, look, go look at your social media feed and note who posts the articles and comments that push your buttons. Or turn on the news channel you ordinarily refuse to watch. Or picture the face of that person you argue with in your head. Today's gospel won't let us turn away from the people and situations that are right in front of us. It won't let us turn away from what we can expect for the rest of our lives or the future that is coming to us. Jesus recognizes and holds up a mirror to the tension in which we live. We say to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Then we immediately follow up with, but first let me go and You probably know what that's like. I know I know I do. Remember a time when it felt like you were being pulled in two directions, in the way of Jesus and in some other way. How varied are the ways you've said, but first and let me go. It's simple enough, isn't it, to follow Jesus in principle. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy. Welcome the stranger. Visit the sick and imprisoned. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Give the thirsty something to drink. Turn the other cheek. Forgive not just seven times, but 70 times seven. These are the values Jesus holds. That's where Jesus is going. That's the direction in which he has set his face. That's the road to Jerusalem. And it sounds good. Most of us probably agree with those values. It's the road we too have chosen to travel, in principle. But it's so much harder and messier to follow Jesus in life than in principle. We're all in favor of love, hospitality, forgiveness, and nonviolence until, until we meet the unlovable, the stranger who scares us, the unforgivable act, the one who gets in our face. They're fully on board until we meet some Samaritan in our life. And then it's a different story. And that story often begins with, but first. Jesus, however, puts no qualifications, limitations, or exceptions on where he is going, who is included, or what he is offering. He doesn't seem to care who we are, where we're from, or what we've done or left undone, Republican or Democrat, citizen or foreigner, Christian or Muslim, gay or straight, black or white, good or bad, believer or non-believer. It just doesn't seem to matter to Jesus. For him, there are no conditions attached to love, hospitality, forgiveness, or generosity. He's not even going to stop and argue while we put conditions on the unconditional. Yes, Jesus, I will love the other. But first, let me go and see who the other is, whether, whether she's deserving of love, whether, whether I like her, whether we can get along. Yes, Jesus, I will open my door to welcome the stranger. But first, let me go and see who's knocking, how late the hour, what he wants, and what I might be risking. Yes, Jesus, I will forgive another. But first, let me go and see if they've acknowledged their wrongdoing, or sorry for what they did, and, and have promised to change. Yes, Jesus, I will give to and care for another. But first, let me go and see what it will cost me, what it will cost my family, and what's in it for us. The examples are endless, and that's the point. If our plan is to end up following Jesus after everything else is sorted out, then we'll never catch up with him at all. There is an urgency and passion in his call to us today. Surely Jesus has entered the Samaritan village the same way he entered every other village, willing to heal and to teach. The villagers reject his ministry, and then James and John, in their fervor, in their loyalty to what they believe to be good and right and true, offer to burn the entire village to the ground. 
But Jesus turns and rebukes them. Notice, he does not rebuke the villagers who reject him. He rebukes his followers for their rejection and for turning away from those who turn away from them. The call, he reminds his disciples, is to bring life, not death, to engage even even with those who reject and insult us. The call is to practice forgiveness and forbearance, never retribution and revenge. The call is to face each other kindly and with great patience because even the people who make our blood boil are precious to God. Rejection, hurt, anger, and hard feelings will always be part of the journey when we follow Jesus. And those emotions will always have us at odds with others in our nation, in our towns, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and in our pews on Sunday morning. It's the human condition. For the last several years, we've all lived in an especially difficult time, one when those emotions have been on full and vivid display. Events in the recent several weeks have ratcheted up the intensity several notches. First, the unspeakable slaughters of grocery shoppers and school children. Then the varied and conflicting responses at every level to what happened. And most recently, the decisions of our highest court with truly sweeping consequences. What is guaranteed in times like this is that the emotions and hostilities that are part of being human will roil our lives. What is up to us, what we can choose, is how to respond. What matters is whether we ultimately will allow the love of Christ to govern our hearts. It might, it does seem at times like too much to expect. And in today's gospel, Jesus does give his followers every possible reason to say no. So what, I wonder, what is it that Jesus allows, that that allows Jesus to imagine that we might ever want to say yes? Perhaps perhaps because Jesus knows better than we do, that we are created for this. He knows the restlessness of our souls. He knows we ache for a life of meaning, purpose. He knows our hearts cry out for transformation, for reconciliation, for resurrection. He knows we long to participate in something bigger than ourselves and more lasting than our lifetimes. I wasn't kidding when I said this is a difficult gospel. I wish I could resolve it in some tidy and simple way, as much for myself as for you. But I can't. It's not about resolving the gospel. It's about resolving ourselves, 
resolving our hearts. That resolution is not a simple or single decision. It's a way of being in this messy and sometimes heartbreaking world, a way of relating to others, a direction for our life. It's a choice we make every day. It's the road, it's, it's the road, it's the road to Jerusalem. Amen. Amen.